In this episode, we talk about the god-awful Pistons, give our predictions for the in-season tournament, talk about teams that have surprised us both positively and negatively, and so much more. So let's just jump right into it. Time out! Time out! All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Timeout Talk. We're your host, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And we're recording this on December 1st, so I feel like December officially marks uh, the start of winter, so it's uh, fun for us here. Yes. Um, the colder climates. But East coast. Oh, real quick, say, what's the weather like for you up there? Oh, man, it's getting real cold. Um you know, it's it's getting to the point where you got to start bundling up every single day if you're going to leave that house. Um, getting to, you know, the 20s, 30s, wind chill does not make it fun. Um, but it also must not be fun to be the Detroit Pistons right now <laughs> who were unable to get a single win in the month of November. They finished 0-15, which honestly, I can't remember the last time a team went winless in an entire month. They're on like a crazy losing streak right now. Uh, and right now they're sitting at probably the worst record in the league at two and 17 while also having the toughest remaining schedule in the NBA. So Hunter for a team that does have a good amount of young talent and what we thought was a, de- a decent coach and Monty Williams, why is this team struggling so much? Yeah, I think for one, one thing you look out there, Kate Cunningham's like their star player, right? And I think a lot of people have been hating on Cade, but I don't think that's the problem. I think they have a massive lack of shooting and also mm-hmm. a lack of care. This is a team that knows they're bad. This is a team that goes out every single night and, you know, maybe they look around the other young cores in the league and see, damn, they're, you know, the magic or the two seed in the East. And maybe they just have a little bit of mora- a morale problem. But I mean, it's not just that because obviously you can't go 0-15 in the month off a morale problem. So I think the biggest things for me, like just watching them, I'd say is the shooting. Um, I think the rotations are a little bit funky. I think maybe maybe give James Wiseman a shot. You know, this is a guy who's been getting like two, three minutes a game, like just in garbage time. But maybe give him a real shot over Mar- or over Marvin Bagley. Um, you know, I think ultimately it doesn't matter to the Pistons. You know, this is a team that yeah. just needs to grow and find themselves. And, you know, it, if they're not really even trying to tank. They're just not a good team. And, you know, there's no one even to tank for in this draft. Unfortunately, this just isn't going to be that great of a draft. At least it's not supposed to be. So, uh, you know, just the Pistons got to ride out, ride out that wave of being, you know, a young team. This is what young teams used to look like. I think we've, we have been so privileged in the recent years to have these amazing young cores who have success right away, right? Like even in last year, the past two years, like the Brooklyn Nets after the KD trade, like they're not supposed to be good, but they made it in. They gave a, you know, the I believe it was either the Cavs or the Bucks. They gave them a good fight in the postseason. You know, that's not supposed to happen. That teams are just supposed to be like this. Yeah, I think that I've actually caught a couple Pistons games, unfortunately, this season. <laughs> just when, you know, you have nothing better to do. You see the Pistons are playing. Um, and I checked them out because, you know, in theory, this should be a fun team. As I said, you know, the coach by Monty Williams, who obviously took the Phoenix Suns to the NBA Finals, and we both agreed that was a great signing by this organization. Uh, drafting a star Thompson was a home run and honestly has probably been their only bright spot this year. But there are just so many problems with the Pistons, right? Uh, one thing that you mentioned that I totally agree with is the shooting. Uh, I mean, they're 28th in the league in threes, shooting only 33.7%. Um, so, uh, or sorry, 35%. Uh, um, which, but they, they just don't take enough of them because most of their shooters are out right now, right? Bojan Bogdanovic out with injuries, Monte Morris, Joe Harris, um, and Kate totally Cunningham. Joe Harris. Yeah, he's on this team, but he's just been out for a while. Uh, Kate Cunningham has not really progressed in the way that we would have liked. You can maybe credit that to his team being disappointing. There not being enough spacing, but he's turning the ball over at a really, really poor rate. Um, he's not shooting the ball well either, shooting just 30.7% from three. Um, he's, he's like literally leading the league in turnovers and also has the most field goal attempts in the entire NBA. So Cade Cunningham is not doing them any favors, but 
it's not all on him, right? I am not sure why uh, Monte Morris or sorry, um, Monty Williams keeps deciding to start Killian Hayes instead, <laughs> like in this lineup, because I just don't think he's very good as an NBA player and let alone as a starter. I mean, yes, he is tenacious defensively, but you know, his lack of perimeter shooting, uh, his just lack on the offensive side of the ball entirely is pretty tough. And that just leaves them with no shooting because Hunter, listen to this starting lineup with like four out of your five guys are Killian Hayes, Asar Thompson, Marvin Bagley, and Jalen Duran. Who is going to shoot them? And then Cade Cunningham is rounding at that lineup. So who is yeah. shooting the three? You know, who is shooting uh, the three? Alec Burks, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. No, for, get... for real. Jaden Ivey wanna... also. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think you should start yeah. Ivy over Hayes. I don't know why Agreed. they don't do that. Yeah, especially because Jaden Ivey is your more recent lottery pick. Like, you know, Killian Hayes has had time. He's had four years in the NBA to kind of prove himself. And the, he's been doing it through, like, the worst years where he's been given – not he hasn't been given the keys to the organization or anything like that. But, you know, he's had time to progress, and he clearly hasn't shown that. Whereas I think Jaden Ivey has far more potential. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, yeah, you want to give Ivy the ability to grow there um, and play right. alongside some of the guys. Cause I think, you know, we mentioned Asar Thompson as being really good this season, but also Jalen Dern, you know, he's looking electric, looking to be a steal yeah. in the draft. I think he was number 13 in that 2022 draft, I want to say, but yeah, he's he was actually looked... originally a sharp, he was a Hornets pick. I remember. Yeah. And they, then the, uh, the Pistons wisely traded up to get him. So that was a good move, you know, like one of very few, but got to credit the fumble there. Fumble by the Hornets as always. But yeah, but he's a guy averaging 10 and 10 on 61% sure shooting. Uh, you know, this is a guy, or, oh, sorry, not 10, 10, 11 and 11. Uh, this is a guy who's going to be a beast as he grows in the NBA. Uh, so, yeah, very, you know, very I, dynamic defensively, athletic, big, like exactly the type of guy that can contribute to winning basketball. Right. I think from there we can move on, though. You know, I think we had to mention that Pistons team because it was just horrendous. But, yeah. you know, I want to talk about something exciting, you know, surprisingly exciting. This in-season tournament, uh, the quarterfinals has been determined who's going to play who. I'll read out the seeds. And, Rafa, I want you to first predict who you think is going to win each of these games, who's going to win the tournament, and just overall thoughts. So first, I have the Lakers versus the Suns. Who do you think is going to win that game? I got the Lakers. I think that the Suns have been dealing with too many injuries here and there to really get enough chemistry to get going. I think the Lakers, for some reason, have been really good in this in-season tournament, so I expect that to continue. Yeah, the Braun 44 minutes tonight in the in-season tournament. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have the two-minute-three-seed matchup in the West. is the Kings versus the Pelicans. Who do you think is going to win that? I'm going to have to stick with Sacramento here. I think that... Um, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing out of New Orleans, uh, especially getting CJ McCollum back. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. Sacramento has been looking great. Um, De'Aaron Fox has been looking dynamic. One of the best players in the league, averaging above 30 points. So I'm going to stick with Sacktown right now. Okay. So in the East, you have the Bucks and the Knicks. Who you got? I'm going to pick an upset here. Um, you know, we don't pick many, but I'm going to go with the Knicks here in the East. I think the Bucks have shown that they can drop games here and there, you know, they just lost the Bulls last night off of Alex Caruso buzzer beater to send that game to overtime. <laughs> um, but the Bucks have not looked as dominant as we might have thought. Uh, Damian Lillard seems to still be figuring it out, or I guess it would be more applicable or appropriate to say the Bucks are still trying to figure out how to incorporate Damian Lillard. So I think the Knicks have looked really good this year. They're gelling. Julius Randle seems to be getting his feet under him. So I'm going to stick with the Knicks. Yeah, and then for our last matchup, we have the Pacers and the Celtics. Who you got? I'm going Celtics here. Celtics have probably looked like the best team in the league, um, like def- through and through. Uh, the fact that they're a three seed is a bit of um, a misnomer. So I think the Celtics win yep. this one pretty convincingly. I believe it's because they did lose a game in the in-season tournament. I don't remember who it was to, uh, but moving on. That means I'm imagining you have the Celtics beating the Knicks if you have them as the favorite would that be the yeah. case yeah yeah and then in the west who do you have winning between a rematch of oh wait actually no they didn't play in, in the postseason between the lakers 
and the Kings, who do you have winning? I'm going to say the Kings win this one. I think the Lakers still have a bit to figure out. They're missing some guys, you know, um, I think Vin- Gabe Vincent's going to be important for this team, but I think Sacramento is just a more cohesive team at this uh, at this point. They've had some run in the playoffs in these sort of pressure environments, so I think that it's it, the, these games are just one single game, right? Single elimination. So I think that right. Sacramento is just going to you know thrive in this kind of format. They're going to push the pace. The Lakers comparatively are a bit of a slower team, so I think that's going to give them the edge in this matchup. All right, and for your final, for your championship, who you got between the Kings and the Celtics? Who's I'm taking take that this... trophy home? I'm th- I think the Celtics won this one. I mean, like it, it pains me to say that as a as a Laker fan, but the Celtics have looked incredible this year. Um, from their starting lineup all the way down to the the deepest parts of their bench, they just got everyone firing on all cylinders. Uh, Joe Missoula has done a great job incorporating the new guys in. Porzingis and the rest. So I got the Celtics winning the tournament. Yep. This is their 18th banner, man, right here. <laughs> no, it doesn't count. <laughs> I want to hear your list. Mickey I'll Mouse make... banner. Yeah, no, this is fra- <laughs> com- this is completely fraudulent. But if the Lakers win, it does count as our 18th. So yes, um, I agree. <laughs> and also, if we win, that officially puts LeBron over Jordan in the goat debate. Because how many in-season tournament wins did Michael Jordan have? Zero, Remind bro. Me? He had none. Zero. <laughs> LeBron one, bro. I mean, well, wait, let's, possibly let's, two, potentially, yeah. So, <laughs> LeBron, LeBron might back to back in season tournament champion, bro. Are you crazy? That'd be insane. Yeah. So, let's let's hear your predictions for how this tournament's gonna go. Yeah, I think I'll take the Lakers as well, beating the Suns. I think the Lakers will have their guys back by then. And I think, like you said, the Suns have been injured as well. They have a lot to figure out. I'm gonna also take the Kings here. Um, on the East, I'm gonna take the Bucks beating the Knicks, and I'm actually okay. gonna have the opposite. I think I'm gonna have the Pacers beating the Celtics. I really, yeah. really like Tyrese Halliburton. I think Drew Holiday could give him some trouble, but I think part of being like in the in-season tournament is these young teams. This is their chance to thrive, and I think you know this is this is kind of what we expected, and you know I think. This whole tournament is geared towards these younger teams. Like, I thought we might see an Orlando Magic in a tournament like this, and I thought they could have done really well and win, as opposed mm-hmm. to a team like the Bucks maybe taking it a little slower, or a team like the Celtics taking it a little slower, a little more experienced. Yeah. And this isn't what they're there for. But a team like the Pacers, where you know, you know, I think they, in their heads, you know, somewhere down the line, they might say, hey, we don't have as good of a shot at winning the NBA championship as we do this 500 grand. And that 500 grand means a whole lot more to you know these young guys you know then it does to the players in the celtics or to the players in the bucks who are already 34 they've made their money in the nba um so i'm gonna have the pacers beating the celtics i'm also gonna have the pacers beating the bucks wow Um, okay i think the pacers are gonna be in the championship and i also have the kings in the championship i think we're gonna see a trade-off you know like the sabonis uh sabonis versus the pacers and tyrese Versus the Kings, and I think that could be really interesting to see, to like officially say who won the trade, quote unquote. I think that could be an interesting, uh, sort of narrative to run. Yeah, wow, that would be a cool thing to see. Obviously, a lot of history, as you mentioned, between yeah. those two teams. Interesting that you have the Pacers making it that far. Although I wouldn't be surprised. Tyrese Halliburton has been playing at an amazing level, and I think there's just so much talent on that team. Um, I- I'm a big fan of what Rick Carlisle is doing running that offensive scheme. Um, I just think that Boston this year with the addition of Drew Holiday, they just look so dynamic. You know, they just have so much shooting. Jason Tatum is liable to go for 30 any, any night. And in this one game scenario, you know, I'm going to trust this unit. That's been like, that's looked just dominant the whole year. I just think if if I'm going to have any center, like, I mean, outside of like Anthony Davis, let's say, if I want to have any center to have to match up with Porzingis, I probably want Miles Turner. Like he's a guy who I could put up there and say, "Really? That way? What?" I, no, like I'm saying, like as far as to match the like the energy, to match like the style of play, to you know be out on the perimeter a little bit more. I think Miles Turner has the ability to do that better than a lot of other bigs in the NBA. Like, would I rather have Brooke Lopez or or Miles Turner on Kristaps? I think I, I'm taking Miles Turner. And really? Okay, that's. Mm. 
Okay. I mean, Miles Turner is definitely a bit more agile than Brooke Lopez, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, talking about defensive ability, I think that Brooke Lopez is definitely in a league above Miles Turner. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you, but I think it's in a different way. And I think that the Pacers are suited to play against a team like the Celtics, even though Drew Holiday is still there. Um, That's fair. I'm curious. Think... Sorry. I just want to mention one last thing about this in season, in season tournament, then we can move on. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like this is actually going to run? Do you think people are going to be excited about this? Are you excited about this tournament? Do you think the games are going to be exciting? Um, how, how? What are your thoughts more generally? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting narratives that could play out of this tournament just with the teams in it. I think, uh, you know, the Celtics-Lakers, that could always be interesting, although I don't think it'll get there. Like I said, the Kings-Pacers is an interesting combination. You know, seeing the Bucks and the Celtics play out, you know, the two premier teams in the east um even the suns you know there's a lot of interesting ways that this could go so i think viewership is going to be higher than the normal nba game do i think we're going to see you know nba finals level you know postseason levels of viewership no but i think it'll be somewhere in between that and a regular season game and i think that's what the nba wants to see i just think they want to see that people care about this more than the regular season game because ultimately the whole point of this tournament is to tune and make fans interested at this point in the year when typically there's a very low viewership. So mm. if, I think it's a success if the NBA is able to get above regular season viewership. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we definitely will see that as well. And uh, I think the games will be exciting. I think that there will be a, a few games because, you know, once you're actually in Las Vegas playing in this tournament format, it's win or go home. I think that players might take this a bit seriously. So We'll see how it goes. Uh, obviously, this is the first time the NBA is implementing it, so um, anything's possible. But with that, we can move on to talk about some rookies. I think this because this is such an electrifying rookie class, we're going to keep talking about them week after week and where they currently stand. So obviously, at kind of the one and two position, or maybe one A, one B, competing for that rookie of the year title. Um, we have Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama, who've both been doing amazing things for their teams. Although one is winning a lot more than the other, um, yeah. but some new rookies have sort of entered that conversation that uh, I don't think have been on many people's radars, or at least weren't before. And that's Jordan Hawkins for the Pelicans, who's really been a lights-out shooter, and Jaime Hawkins Jr., who uh, came over from UCLA. We know him. I mean, not personally, but like we we watch the UCLA games a lot. Yeah. So we're familiar with his game and he's been really balling for the heat. So Hunter, what have you seen from these rookies? And uh, yeah, just give me your thoughts on the rookie of the year race. Yeah, I guess I'll start with Jordan Hawkins and Jaime Hawkins Jr. Since they're the new guys, you know, Jordan Hawkins, he's been looking great in his past few games. You know, he's been playing some pretty serious minutes, uh, you know, in a, they lost twice to Utah, but he played 40 minutes in that game. He had, I think, 25 points, uh, you know, six rebounds, a uh, few assists. You know, this is a guy who's been pretty well-rounded so far. Um, you know, honestly, I don't have too much to say about Jordan Hawkins because I really haven't been watching the Pelicans too much. But hmm. f- from from what I do know, he's just – he's a bucket. He's got pretty good efficiency. He's a good shooter. He's finishing 37% from three. Like, he's just been – providing some good off the bench scoring for this team and it's mm-hmm. good to see you know just a random guy kind of rise out of this young class but moving to Jaime Hakas this is something they needed this this heat team needed Jaime Hakas to be good losing Max Struess losing Gabe Vincent um you know having to deal with injuries and sort of this you know whole Tyler Hero situation obviously Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson have been very good this year so far but you know there's a lot of uncertainty with this heat and Jaime Hakas was supposed to be a guy coming out of UCLA, who was sort of a rock, like very stable, older guy for a rookie. And he's been just that for this team. Uh, you know, he's been really successful in his past few games. Um, you know, he had 24 points last game, five rebounds. Uh, you know, he's had another game, 22 points, eight rebounds. Like he's just very consistent. He fits in this heat culture, heat style. And I think this is the perfect destination for him. Uh, and he's also averaging a steal. I think he's, uh, top three in the rookies in uh, steel leaders. So this is a guy who is going to have a lot of defensive ability. And I think the heat, you know, amplify that as well. Um, yeah, do you definitely. Have anything to add about the, 
Yeah, I just want to mention that I think that Jaime Hawkins Jr. has really made um, amazing. Uh, he's really capitalized on this opportunity with Tyler Hero being out for Miami to step up and fill that void. Uh, you know, he's really been doing it all. I think that, as you said, he fits into this heat culture. He's a very gritty player, um, willing to do the dirty work, will, willing to lock in. Um, and his game, like, translates very well over to the NBA. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing now. You know, he's a guy that can play physical. He has, like, the strength to sort of compete with these guys, um, which is what he was doing in college. You know, he's at 6'6", 225. Like, he he has the physical attributes um, and he can kind of just do it all. You know, he can shoot the ball pretty well, um, bang down low. And uh, I just bang like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. I was... <laughs> okay. but, oh, yeah, he's, he takes he takes good shots, too. He he really plays within this player. Yeah, and he, he takes like, you know, floaters, some mid range shots. He, you know, he doesn't quite have a three, but his three's been falling pretty good in the past few games. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I bang down low. I meant just yeah. like, you know, he has the physicals to just like go up yeah. against the guy, go up, get the and one bucket right. that not a lot of rookies do. Um, but a couple of rookies that have been able to kind of do that have been Victor Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren. I, I was curious if you currently had uh, a take on who's better right now, because I feel like that's kind of the 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 debate right now, the discourse. I think, I think you have to take Chet. I really do. Uh, you know, this is a guy. I think the efficiency is what puts it over the edge for me. Is you know, Wemby's been efficient, but Chet Holmgren is a whole new level of efficiency. A, a rookie coming in and having efficiency splits of 50, 40, 90 is ridiculous. You know, hmm. for a guy who's supposed to be a unicorn, you know, typically these guys take time to adjust to the physicality of the NBA and. You know, unicorns never shoot 41% from three. When you when you talk about unicorn, you're talking about the guy who shoots 34, 35% from three. But this is a guy who's coming in the NBA, coming down a lane, full court transition, spin move, you know, pass, run around the other side of the court, hits a three. It's like, this is something that Steph Curry does on the play. And I'm not, you know, I'm not comparing Steph Curry to Chet Holmgren, but I'm saying, you know, Chet Holmgren can sort of do those guard-like things that not even other, you know, unicorns do. And I think... You know, it's unfair to, you know, hold Wemby to that standard. I think Wemby has been doing some of that stuff, but he ha- he also doesn't have the teammates, right? You know, when you look at Chet's teammates, he's had a lot more help, a lot more talent. Um, but I think isolating that, efficiency still matters. Yeah, so, I mean... I'm, I'm going to take Chet. I, I, would, I would have to say Chet as well. And I think that, you know, the team definitely does play a factor. Because, um, I mean, as we said, like, Chet has Shea Gilders Alexander on his team, right? All, all NBA guy last year, first team. Um, Jalen Williams, Lou Dort, like he has a very solid roster around him. Um, great coach, just a good system over there for him to thrive in. And so it's no surprise that he's been balling, but I think the level that he's been balling has been like pretty incredible. I mean, you watch this guy play and it's really it's shades of KD, I would say. Like you see the fadeaways, you see the pull up Jays. It's it looks like another Kevin Durant, uh, which is amazing to say. Um, with a with the ability to defend, like yeah, and age. the defensive ability too. Like, don't even get me started. Like, as a shot blocker, as a guy who just very like um, intelligent, I want to say like he makes a lot of very pragmatic, smart moves on the court um, that you don't see from a lot of young guys. And so, for him to have that IQ, that's that's not something you can teach. But not to say Victor – or go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say Kevin Durant has developed that over his time in the NBA, but he didn't come into the NBA with that, and he hasn't. Yeah. So this is not to say, though, that Vic has been bad. In fact, he's been incredible. And I think that you could – if you said Victor Wembenyama – Victor Wembenyama was better, I wouldn't hold you to that. I think that there is a case to be made. I just think that, honestly, like – not to say his team's holding him back, but Vic just hasn't had all the opportunities to succeed that like uh, Chet has, you know, like yeah. you watch the Spurs play and unfortunately, I don't know why I do this to myself. I also watch this a lot of Spurs games I more than that. I'd like to admit. Um, and you just don't see them pass him the ball that much, you know, like there's a lot of possessions where he just kind of gets iced out of the play 
and you gotta wonder Standing what's going on yeah or just like wait, waiting at the top of the key for the ball and, and jeremy so sochan just goes up for like a random floater like devin vassell gets it into the motion um so right. I, I think i would like to see him be more involved yeah for Wemby, i think a lot of it is i feel like he looks a little bit more awkward with the ball than chet and maybe that's just the eye test telling me that but i feel like chet looks more comfortable in certain positions when he actually does have the ball yeah um with that though i think we can move on so the last thing i really want to talk about is there as we sort of got have gotten into what has it been the first like quarter fifth quarter i don't, I don't know fifth, like uh, somewhere between there yeah <laughs> between one fifth and one quarter of the season uh there have been a lot of surprises both very positive and very negative so i wanted to get your takes on a couple of these teams that have been very surprising in both of these regards and as well as your take of like whether you think they're going to improve or whether this is just going to be a fluke. So we'll start positive and then end negative. Uh, <laughs> and so we'll, uh, I guess the, end the podcast on a sour note, how that's, nice. you know, the best way to do it. Right. <laughs> um, so we'll start by talking about the Orlando magic who we talked about a lot last episode, but you know, currently in the East, they're up there at the, you know, number two seed right behind the Celtics. So do you think that they're going to stay up there in the top of the Eastern Conference? Uh, or do you think there's going to be uh, some restructuring as the season goes on? I really do think they're going to stay up there. This is a team that's been playing some of the toughest teams in the league. And they have, I think, the fourth easiest schedule in the NBA remaining. You know, you, you have to keep in mind that some of these teams who are considered really weak are like a Clippers team who's going to get better. And, you know, the Grizzlies who are going to get John Morant back at some point. And, you know, you, you have to take a lot of these things into account. But regardless, this team is legit. I really do think that. I think Franz Wagner and Paolo Bencaro are only going to get better. They move the ball well. They're really good defensively. And they have an identity. Uh, you know, and when you're playing against bad teams and you have an identity, that's really important. I feel like, you know, we weren't expecting this team to find an identity so early. Uh, and it's rare for young teams to be able to do that. Yeah, I think the, the Magic just drafted really well to fit all their guys together. I think X factor for them this year has been Jalen Suggs. I think he's found himself as a player. And I I don't love this comparison, but as a leader, I think he's very much like Draymond Green in a lot of ways. I think he's very mm. verbal, dirty, like, but not not the not the bad kind of dirty. Like, I think he's <laughs> the. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like, what like I, th- I think, I, like I think he, he, like he, he doesn't mind getting dirty. Like he doesn't mind getting on the floor. He doesn't mind, uh, okay, you know, throwing throw some elbows. Like I think he has some of that Draymond Green, like kind of dog in him, but like a little bit toned down to the point where it's like not overbearing. You know, I, I but I think that they needed that kind of player because this is a team where their leaders aren't super outspoken. Okay, yeah, no, I, I get that. And yeah, I do agree. I think Suggs has been, you know, definitely a big X factor on this team and how he's locked in defensively and really shaped that culture. I think, though, that Magic are going to dip a little bit. I think that, you know, a couple of these teams, the Bucks, the Sixers, um, are really going to start turning it up. I can even see, you know, the Heat making a, a run. I think the the Pacers could be up there. So I see them settling at about maybe maybe the fifth seed, uh, maybe the four seed will give them some credit. Yeah, but... but I think I think that still considers them to be legit. Like I don't think that. Okay, I just meant like they're not going to be the two seed. They're not going to be okay. top three. Yeah. Well, maybe, I, maybe I I don't know. I think that's it remains to be seen. But well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know either. I'm, we're we're predicting. <laughs> I think I think they'll stay within <laughs> within three. Okay. Rafa, I I don't know. I can't see the future. <laughs> yeah, that's just your answer to all these. Hunter, what do you think about the the Timberwolves? Uh, I don't know. Like we'll have to see. <laughs> Okay, but speaking of the Timberwolves, what are your yeah. thoughts on them? I mean, they've been they've had a really great start to the season. I mean, we talked about them a little bit last episode. They're the number one seed um, in the West, and they're tied for the best record in the whole league. I mean, Rudy Gobert has really turned it up this year defensively, looking like his old self again, and Ant-Man is looking like a superstar. So do you think they're going to stay up there in the, the top half of the of the West? We'll stay in the top half for sure. I think this is a team that we were a little one year too early on with our predictions. I think this definitely yeah. is a good team. I think they're 
they are in the top 10 in the league in three-point shooting, which has really helped them with the Rudy Gobert. It's helped space the floor for him. Uh, and I think if they can keep up their three-point shooting, I think Rudy Gobert is going to continue to thrive, and I think they're going to stay a top three defense in the NBA. I don't think that's a fluke. Uh, and, you know, their offense isn't even that good. They're really just holding teams down. I mean, you know, they have the 20th best offensive rating in the league, but they're really just have that defensive identity together. And Anthony Edwards, we've talked about, has stepped up as that two-way player. And, you know, that's not going to go away anytime soon. So I do think they'll stay in the top half of the West. Mm. Okay, how about uh, the Mavericks? I feel like that's another team that, you know, we were a bit early on last year. I think we were very, like, excited about the the – the prospect of Luca and Kyrie playing together, but they didn't figure it out last year. But this year, they they had definitely have. So, do you think that they're going to continue playing this high level of basketball? Uh, for context, the Mavs are currently fourth in the West. Right. I think the Mavs are going to dip a little bit. I think. I mean, as we expected, offensive ratings through the roof, fourth in the NBA, but their defensive ratings twenty third. Again, same issues that we kind of saw with them before. And they're barely beating teams. They're beating teams by an average of 1.4 points. Uh, so these are, you know, for the most part, close games. Um, you know, and they're going to start losing some of those. A lot of them have been going their way. Like, for example, the game they played against the Lakers, you know, late game turnover results in a win for the, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, at the, you know, at the point where they were playing really bad basketball. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, Luca has been amazing. Kyrie's been amazing. Grant Williams has been great for them. Um, who else has been really good for them? Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been great. Um, so, uh, you know, Derek Lively. You know, you, there's so many guys you could name. But, yeah, I think they're going to take a little bit of a dip. Some of those games aren't going to go quite their way. And I think you just need to have a good defense in the NBA, ultimately. Yeah. Another guy I want to mention, just for math players, yeah. Derek Jones Jr., you know, coming in as oh, a starter. Yeah. Both ends of the floor doing everything for them. So I just want to mention he's – these guys really found a home in Dallas after kind of bouncing around the league, Miami, Portland, been kind of everywhere. Um, great guy for hoops grid. Uh, if you yes. guys are into that, but uh, yeah, moving on the thunder who we mentioned um, just want to give a couple things about them. I mean, we talked about how Shea is averaging 36 and six. He's one of five players to be averaging 30 points per game this year. Uh, six. If you count Steph who Hunter informed me is averaging 29.9. <laughs> to which I responded, that's not 30 points per game, though. So <laughs> uh, Shea's an, a, an elite company. Uh, he could be in for another um, first-team All-NBA and is legit an MVP candidate right now because the Thunder are the three-seed. Um, you also have Chet, obviously. Jalen Williams has been incredible. Uh, Lou Dort, Cason Wallace, a bunch of other young pieces off the bench. Um, yeah, what do you think about the Thunder? Do you think they're going to stay uh, top three, top four in the West? you think this is just kind of a early season fluke? Yeah. I mean, this is another team that is just really good and they're only going to get better. This is young teams typically just get better. And I think they're going to stay where they're at. I don't think they're going to move up in the standings, but I think they'll be between the three and the five seed. This is a team that is legit. I think Chet is what put them over the edge as opposed to last year. This is a team last year that was what the, in the eight seed or seven seed, like I think this was a plan team. I'm yeah, they were in the plan. They were like right. the the ten seed, maybe I think. Right, but the difference between them being a plan team and being a, you know, top th- five six seed in the West is the difference between starting Derek Favors and Chet Holmgren. Like, let's hmm. be real, that's a big difference. And now, no disrespect to Derek Favors, I don't, but I don't also don't think he takes disrespect to that. Um. You know, Chet has been amazing as we just talked about earlier in this podcast. Jalen Williams, uh, you know, Jay Dub, not the other Jalen Williams, has been incredible for this team. Uh, and you know, the the they have a good defensive game, which was surprising for me with this team. But their offense is really what's been a, the motivating factor of this team. Their transition game is just great, and Shea hits so many tough shots. Like I just watch him play, and he's taking these like corner of the key like old chris paul type of shots like i'm I'm sure that he worked on this with chris paul once chris paul was no kc and he just is automatic with those every single time he knocks those down hits the corner threes hits the tough you know shots that he he's an underrated finisher as well absolutely yeah i'm I'm big on the thunder too i think that um you know i think i definitely see them being top four in the west um 
No doubt about it. I could even see them rising. Like that might be a bit of a hot take, but I could see them finishing it too. Like that, that is not um, yeah. uh, something out of, of the question for me. Uh, the last team I want to talk about is another Western conference team. And that's in the new Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they've been looking really, really good this year. Um, Zion and BI seem to be gelling. Obviously Zion has been looking healthy. Um, and while they haven't necessarily um, been doing anything crazy in the standings, it's more so the fact that, you know, Zion and BI are playing well together, which, you know, is kind of a rare sight to see at this, uh, at this point. Um, just the other night, Zion put up 30 plus in a win against the Sixers on a hundred percent shooting, which is incredible, but he's been averaging 24, six and five on an efficient 57% from the field. B.I. has been putting up 24-5-5 on 50%. Uh, We mentioned Jordan Hawkins. He's been a real highlight. C.J. McCollum is back. He's putting up solid numbers as that third guy, um, that third scoring option. Uh, Obviously, you got Herb Jones there locking it down defensively, putting up roughly two steals a game. And then you got a bunch of great production from bench guys like Dyson Daniels, Matt Ryan, who has also found a role here in New Orleans, as well as Larry Nance Jr., uh, among others. So, Hunter, the Pelicans are sitting at number eight right now. Do you think they're they're going to go up or they're going to go down? I, I worry for this team a little bit. Uh, and I say that because if you remember last time this year, they were sitting at the one seat. And that was mm. B.I. and Zion and all this stuff. They were, they were rolling like they are now. But the different you – know, just another level of it. Zion was also – putting up a little bit better stats and he was looking like a superstar as opposed to an all-star but what worries me about this team is i think the same thing the same narrative is going to happen every year which is can silence stay healthy and i just don't know the answer to that question and unfortunately i think he at some point will get injured this season i just think it's inevitable with his style of play he has not lost weight he looks the same same story over and over again and i think when you lose Zion, this team loses part of its identity and we saw last year they you know, we're either in the plan and lost or we're like the 11 seed and didn't make the cut. And if they're starting at the eight seed as opposed to the one seed, it could get even uglier. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. Uh, I don't know. Like we talk about Zion being good, but like he needs to be the, the like all star superstar level talent that like he was drafted to be that he was hyped up to be. And so far, right. he's just been great. He has not been phenomenal and that's not what the pelicans need from him um i also think that you know bi has been very good shooting the midi but his three ball like he's shooting that at about 30 percent. that's a bit troubling i don't trust a team that relies on cj mccollum that much i just don't think that he's a very winning player i mean he gives up so much on the defensive end of the floor and i've just seen him collapse too many times in the playoffs so um as a team i'm just not big on the pelicans I would if they slip to the play in, that wouldn't surprise me. Um yeah. If they're even out the, with how many good teams there are now, or if they're not even in the play in tournament, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, definitely. I could see a couple of these teams that we're about to mention um making some waves and climbing up uh and replacing them. So yeah. let's talk about a couple of those teams right now. Um the ones that have been pretty disappointing. And let's start with the Warriors, who um <laughs> Hunter just has a bullet point on the docs called Clay Thompson washed, <laughs> which is hilarious, but very accurate and to the point. Clay Thompson looks washed. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, he looks pretty washed up. Doesn't look like his former self. And the thing for me with Clay Thompson has just been a sh- his shot selection. I mean, he just doesn't know what a bad shot looks like. And he takes a lot of them like, he doesn't know he when to pass the four ball, fingers. Really. <laughs> <laughs> the four rings. Steve, Steve Kerr looks at him and is like, you can't take that shot. And he just looks at Steve Kerr, four rings, bro. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So Clay Thompson washed. Um, they're, they're sitting at one game below 500 at the 10th seed in the West. Uh, Wiggins also has been really disappointing. Um, and then Draymond obviously missed five games from that suspension, choking out Rudy Gobert for no reason. <laughs> that was hilarious oh my god he just like it's literally zero zero the game just starts and then just (laughs) Draymond puts Rudy Gobert in a chokehold for no reason gets suspended for five games 
Um, but yeah, Ben Simmons did the same thing too, by the way, to Rudy to Gobert. Anthony Towns. Oh no, no it, was, it was to Cat. It was to Cat. You're right. That was funny because what's it called? That Carl Anthony Towns had a tap out. You remember that? Yeah, <laughs> that was a good. That was a fun time. But yeah, give me your thoughts on the Warriors. Do you think they're gonna figure it out? Uh, yeah, I think ultimately this team can make it work when you have a ton of vets like this. I think it's kind of starting the season off a lot like the Lakers did in those. Yeah, years. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I think we, we already had that parallel. We had that comparison. We talked about that on the pod. And Wait a second. Is Clay Thompson Westbrook? <laughs> in this case, maybe, because Chris Paul has been playing, honestly, pretty good. Chris Paul has not been the problem on this team. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe maybe Clay's the new Westbrook in a different way. But, um, no, I think it's it's a tough spot if you're the Warriors because – I believe Clay's also up for a contract extension, and like I'm sure that has to be playing into some of like this this sort of very poor shot selection. Like he's just trying to get up shots, maybe just trying to get his rhythm back. Like wants to make money, and I don't know if you remember this, but Bob Myers said he left as the GM last year because he did not want to deal with this Clay Thompson contract situation. He's like, you know, I don't want to do this to the guys. Like I just don't want to be a part of it. Like, so that was very yeah. much clearly like the end of an an era like that kind of to me signified the end of the warriors dynasty um so i really it's really hard to tell what, where this warriors team could go because if clay thompson gets it together a little bit which i think he very much has the ability to do if you know andrew wiggins steps it up averages maybe 18 points games to 14 points a game you know gets his defense back to where it was in his all-star all-star starter season you know, I think we have to mention that he was an all-star starter somehow. Um, and, you know, Draymond, he's been fine. You know, nothing great. Like, he hasn't been shooting great on the court. You know, kind of also questionable selection, which is surprising from Draymond. But I just ultimately feel bad for Steph Curry because Steph Curry is just, like, the man carrying the world on his shoulders. And he's yeah. 35. I-, I wanted to ask, how much do you think falls on – Steve Kerr's shoulders, you know, because obviously, like to a certain extent, this is on him too. Because you have Draymond, sort of like, uh, I don't know how you want to play his spirit if you want to be <laughs> nice about it, his energy, you know, like his anger, like that, that kind of is really dr- dragging the Warriors down. I mean, I don't know if you saw in that in season tournament game where Draymond gets like hit in the face, I'm pretty sure, and then starts berating the ref and they're basically playing five on four because he's over there talking to the ref uh stuff right. like that you know and obviously thompson's shot selection which i mentioned half jokingly is like le- is a legitimate problem and that does fall on steve kerr's shoulders a lot um and then also like uh not really maybe trusting the young guys as much as he should uh i, I think there's a lot of discourse around uh him pulling moses moody out of the game when he was playing incredibly uh for Andrew Wiggins. Um, and so I think how much do you I think, blame Steve Kerr? I think you maybe like 30, 40% of the blame is on Steve Kerr, right? I think ultimately you can tell a guy you cannot take that shot. But ultimately, if he wants to take that shot, he can just throw it up there, right? He cannot listen to a play. You can bench him. Right. I which I was gonna get to. I think Clay Thompson should not be starting. I think he should be the sixth man. I think Moses Moody should be starting. Mm. Uh, you know, I think he's obviously right now providing more shooting. He's providing more athleticism, more versatility, and more defense because Clay Thompson has lost pretty much all of it. And I think Clay Thompson could find more success off the bench. You know, he might have a better shot selection playing with that Chris Paul unit. He could have more opportunities against, you know, the other team's second unit guys. And I think that could be a good opportunity for him to sort of get it back. And, you know, it, like Darvin Ham says this all the time it's not like a downgrade to be on the bench. Like, just it depends on where you you're most needed in a game. And I don't think Clay Thompson is more needed than Moses Moody in the starting lineup. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. I think that a lot of the rotations I would like to see change. I'd also like to see your, your guy, Brandon Pajemski, like get more run over Corey Joseph. Great. I don't know why really great. Yeah. I don't know why they play Corey Joseph so much instead of Pajemski. And I'd also like to see Jonathan Kaminga get less run. I think that, Give more minutes to Moody, I think. And that... Saric. I think Saric has been. Yeah, Saric has been well. solid too. But I honestly see, getting back to the question, like I see the Warriors 
potentially missing the playoffs this year. But I, in actuality, I think the Warriors are going to kind of be desperate. They're going to hang around this 10 seed area, make a big trade at the deadline, maybe send Clay Thompson somewhere else, end up making the play in kind of like the Lakers, but not really do that much in the playoffs. So it's, it's unfortunate that this is the way I think the dynasty ends, but I think it's coming. Right. It's, I think it's ultimately Clay's the first one to go. If it, if it continues on this trajectory, I think. Four. I, <laughs> yeah. Four more years on my contract, like my four rings, bro. That's what I'm asking for it. Yeah. Like <laughs> anyway, let's talk about yeah. the next team. You know, this is a team we've already talked about, but the LA Clippers, you know, this is a team that can't stop losing after this James Harden trade. You know, they've, they've sort of evened it out. They've had a few games. They had a James Harden step back game winner, uh, you know, mm-hmm. classic. Um, but, you know, Russ was the bigger man and he actually asked Ty Lue, he said, can you bring me off the bench? Let James Harden start. And ultimately that's resulted in a big decrease in his production and his efficiency. Um, and I feel like somehow this team is really missing Nick Batum, even though this is like one of the deepest teams in the NBA. They just have so many guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really don't know what much else there is to say. What do you kind of think about this Clippers team? Uh, I just want to say they lost to the Nuggets without Jamal Murray or Jokic. They the let throwback. Reggie Jackson drop 35-13 and 13 on 80% shooting. DeAndre Jordan looked like an all-star. Yeah, can we talk about DeAndre Jordan dropping 22 and 13? Like, what the hell is this? Is this 2014? Like, yeah, it was it was bad to see. And I mean, Paul George had a horrible game. He had six points in that game on (laughs) 21% true shooting. It was it was horrible. Is this your Um, all-star? Is this your king? Yeah, seriously. And literally, I think that um a stat I saw was like Kawhi and PG have not missed a game together this season. And so it's like, that's insane if you think about it. Because the question with the Clippers has always been like, oh, if Kawhi and PG can stay healthy, they've been healthy. They've been playing together and they're still below 500. So Which they had it rolling. I don't understand this trade at all. Like, I think in hindsight, this is going to go down as one of the most baffling trades that like a team has made. Like, this is a team that was in a good position. They're playing well. But, you know, they're their unit's cohesive. Russell Westbrook looks great for them. And then yeah. they just trade for another all-star who's historically been known to cause locker room issues and issues with the management and just totally blow everything up. And you yeah. trade for him and your team starts losing. It's a bit of a disaster of a trade. And I think that we're starting to see the fruits of that. I think the Clippers will end up figuring it out somewhat. There's too much talent on this team, not to, but I think that come playoff time, this is also going to be a big problem. I mean, we've I talked about this. This team's um, definitely a top eight seed. Definitely at least top eight. Yeah, I could say, yeah, definitely top eight. So I'm not too, like, I'm not too concerned for them, but it is a bit of a questionable trade. I mean, we had question marks at the time, and I think that those question marks are still very valid. Um, So finally, the last team I want to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, as they have been really struggling without John Morant uh, to really do anything. Um, I mean, I think that we both thought they would figure it out a little bit more because the Grizzlies were so good without Ja last year. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're I... currently sitting at 4-13th, and 13th, uh, 4-13, and 13, 14th in the West. Uh, yeah, give me your thoughts on the Grizzlies. Yeah, ultimately it shows how much Tyus Jones really meant to this team as the guy who held down the fort when Jaw wasn't there. You know, Marcus Smart went down with injury, so he's been out. So it's unfair to, you know, say that it's Marcus Smart's fault, which I don't think it is. This is a team that's so injured. I mean, more than any other team in the league, they're probably missing like six or seven real rotation guys between Ja mm-hmm. Morant, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, um, you know, Marcus Smart. Uh, there's a few more guys, but... You know, ultimately, I probably expected a little bit more out of Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought they absolutely, especially Jaron Jackson. I feel like Desmond Bain's been decent in a lot of these games, but Jaron Jackson has not been that guy. And I think this is a continuation of what we saw in the uh, FIBA World Cup with Jaron Jackson very much struggles to get rebounds. This is not a guy who's out there to rebound, and Xavier Tillman has been outplaying him 
especially on the board side of things. I mean, they really missed Steven Adams in that sense, and he really helped kind of hide Jaron Jackson's weaknesses. Uh, Absolutely. So, I mean, for a guy who's supposedly like your center, power forward, he, he is, he's averaging six boards a game, and he's also shooting a pretty horrific 41%. Uh, from the field so it's because yeah, he chucks he, up a lot of threes too like an unnecessary amount of them yeah his shot selection is pretty poor last 10 games he's been shooting 21 percent from three and uh you just watch him play and it's just like that's the shot you're going for um yeah so i think yeah the grizzlies will obviously be better when john morant comes around but i think they're gonna you know they're not gonna be the team that were last year i yeah. think that they had a special unit, and I think that they have that potential maybe next year, but just the health issues, the lack of continuity has been a big problem for them. Yeah, I think I agree. I had them at the eighth seed, which I think might be appropriate, but I might mm-hmm. even be a little bit lower on them than I was before because even when John Morant comes back, that will significantly help. There's no question about that. But you don't fix the rebounding issue or the issue of your big man because you know two solid guys for you last year in Brennan Clark – and Stephen Adams are no longer going to be playing the entire season. I think Brandon Clark might come back at some point, but Stephen Adams we know will be out the entire season. Yeah, and honestly, like it, it's not unfair, or I guess we we couldn't we can't really expect too much of this team missing so many rotational guys. Like, right. how many teams in the NBA can you take the top six guys off that team and still expect them to start winning games? Like, yeah, I can't really think of any. Maybe like. Well, Apparently the Lakers have been doing that kind of. <laughs> That's the they're not missing. Le- they're not they're missing not, LeBron not missing like LeBron. AD the whole yeah. time. I mean, maybe AD would be fair, but but anyways. Yeah, that that's that's the point I was trying to make there. No, no, I I agree. I fully agree. Like even like rotation players. Like how many teams can you say take your four best rotation players and throw them out the window? How many time teams are going to be winning? Like people don't value rotation players enough. Star power is not enough in the league to win with how yeah. much depth and talent there is in the NBA anymore. I think that's what we're seeing between the Warriors, Clippers, and the Grizzlies, honestly. Yeah. And on that, I think uh, it's a good place to call it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week to cover all things NBA, so make sure you tune in. We'll actually yeah. be covering the in-season tournament by then. So Yeah, maybe uh, we'll cover everything up to the championship, hopefully. Yeah, should be good. So thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Peace.